to quote the song Wonderful by the 90s band Everclear. I close my eyes when I get too sad. I think thoughts that I know are bad. Close my eyes and I count to 10. Hope it's over when I open them. I want the things I had before, like a Star Wars poster on my bedroom door. I wish I could count to 10, make everything be wonderful again. Hope my mom and hope my dad will figure out why they get so mad. Hear them scream, I hear them fight. They say bad words that make me wanna cry. Close my eyes when I go to bed and I dream of angels who make me smile. I feel better when I hear them say, everything will be wonderful someday. I'm Raleigh, she's Danielle, and this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Hey, hey. Oh, what up? How's it going? Um, we have a special guest in studio today. In, in, in the Tell nook. Tell me about it. Well, we have Sarah. Sarah is a uh, special education teacher mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from way back when. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you, <laughs> Sarah and I go way back. <laughs> way back. Sarah, uh, fun fact, was probably bored after that song came out, but... That is correct. 100%. Danielle was my my first real boss. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to apologize for coming in hot today. I was real fired up about my job today. Okay. You know, that morale from last two weeks ago that we talked about. Still working on that, right? It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Um, So, Sarah, are you excited to be here today? I'm excited, but I'm nervous nope. to be with the professional. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Seven episodes. Is it seven? Now. Wow. The wow. podcast <laughs> expert. It's Do we get any sort of like <laughs> lucky trinket or anything for the seventh mm-hmm. one? I think so. I'll bring a badge and some a, that you can sell I think there's clothes. a parade at eight. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. On the duck boats, hopefully? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, good Fire up the duck boats. <laughs> That's a Boston, Massachusetts reference for those that don't know. Because, um, you know, we hear you listening across the country. Alaska. Alaska. Canada. Canada, all through Europe and all Asia. All through Europe, we're, we're taking we're over. Like, we're taking, we're getting, we're getting up there. Over a thousand streams. Wow. Yeah. All right, but enough about us. All right, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's um, so today we do have a topic that I think is something that spans many education settings, and it's something I think that we're starting to take more account of and consideration of in a school setting, and that's the um, topic of trauma. And we learn. A lot about ACEs when you work with kids with trauma. ACEs are um, adverse childhood experiences, and that includes things like physical and emotional abuse, neglect, caregiver mental illness, household violence, and essentially it's a rating system. And the more ACEs a child has, um, the more likely he or she will suffer from things like um, medical issues, heart disease, diabetes, poor academic achievement, and substance abuse. And some of this information I'm getting from the Center on the Developing Child from Harvard University. So we have that, we'll, we'll push that out at some point uh, after this podcast comes out, along with more information. Some of the feedback we've gotten is around uh, sharing information, so we'll make sure that we start to do oh, that, yes, too. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think what I've been reading when I was researching up on this topic was that there are a lot more studies being done. Historically, studies have only been done in adults mm-hmm. um, with trauma, and so now there's a lot more... Uh, studies coming out and we all know in the field that we work about all the trauma that Mm -hmm. is really underlying and hidden that we don't necessarily see but um, in my research 72% of children or youth in the U.S. have experienced at least one stressful event before the age of 18. So 72% of kids have experienced some sort of trauma along the list that you've mentioned. That's that's a huge stat. Yeah. And not all of these children are being educated in a substantially separate setting 
a lot of them are in special ed possibly or in general ed getting special ed services um and not to you know put you on the spot sarah but are you know i know that you do great work with um kids with trauma and have you seen how this affects them academically just a little bit uh yeah no all the time i think when a child experiences trauma, whether that's abuse and neglect or something like moving to a new location mm-hmm. or being bullied, whatever it might be, I think trauma really rewires the way that your brain works. And so kids are not processing in the same way and producing information in the same way, not because they don't want to, but because their brain is not, it's not always available for learning. You know, I talk about that with my students all the time. Like, there are days where they come in and they have, 40,000 worries and anxious thoughts in their brain about things that have happened or worrying about things coming up or not happening. And, you know, their brain is not accessible and available to learn how to multiply that day or Mm -hmm. in that moment until those other thoughts and worries and feelings are addressed first. Um, I think it's easier, you know, in our setting where it is so separate, I think that's easier to kind of be on top of, but I think pointing out that it is, you know, you have kids in general ed, experiencing these same things and you know in a classroom of 25 30 kids it's a lot harder to check in on individual students that way but knowing how much it can impact their learning and their behavior and their performance it's you know like keeping tabs on everybody and knowing what's going on and well, this is something we also talked about. Um, of course, we have this pandemic still hanging over mm-hmm. our heads and we talked about in some earlier episodes about the impact of that on just kids in terms of their anxiety and their self-esteem and depression and then you add in possibly these aces Mm -hmm. an ace score of you know something like at least one childhood traumatic experience and now you're really doubling down on the challenge of how to educate kids that have so much going on that and some kids are very obvious that something's Mm -hmm. bothering them and others are the ones maybe slipping through the cracks and i think a lot of this conversation is geared toward maybe more of the kids how do we reach the kids that are falling through the cracks a little bit more Mm -hmm. or that maybe we aren't so clear on why they're acting the way they're acting i think that's a larger issue you know i think when kids are clearly showing dysregulation we're looking at that differently we see it we're working with that but what do you do when there's more going on under the surface than we see or that we're you know that the kids are showing us Mm -hmm. and when i do i so when i do my executive functioning pd or anxiety professional development I talk about the effects of trauma and I talk about how little, you know, it doesn't have to be post-traumatic stress disorder. It doesn't have to be kids in, in DCYF or CPS or whatever each state calls it, child, protective services for children. It doesn't have to be those things for it to be a trauma, traumatic mm-hmm. event. I mean, I, you know, tell a story about a student we had who was in a pretty violent neighborhood who, you know, witnessed police coming after a double shoot, double murder right outside of his apartment complex. And that completely threw him for a loop. And so when we talk about these things and how it affects the day-to-day work that these kids do, you know, forgetting things, remembering things some days and not others, not being able to initiate tasks because their brains are, you know, doing, thinking about so many other things, having big reactions when shifting between activities and all that stuff. And I can only imagine from a sensory perspective, Mm -hmm. Raleigh, and from a teaching perspective, how your day-to-day is just affected by those little nuances that you may not even check with 30 kids in a classroom or 60 kids on a caseload. Right. Well, and I think it's talking about, so I was thinking like approaches, how would you approach that as a teacher of eight, 10, 15, 20 kids? I think to help combat some of that anxiety, 
we always talk about structure, predictability, consistency, mm -hmm. right? So how, Sarah, do you have some like examples of how you might set up your classroom so that you're maybe mitigating some of that anxiety? Mm -hmm. So routines are the yeah. same every single day in my classroom. And that is something that we, I drove myself absolutely insane September and October <laughs> and also still now because it's, you know, it takes a lot of work, but it takes when kids know what to expect and they know exactly what I'm going to ask them in between blocks or when we're lining up for recess or when we're having lunch, when they know exactly what's expected of them moment to moment, that worry at least is taken away. You know, I, I think you and I have talked about this. I had a student this year who... She was pointing to Raleigh, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I, I forget that people can't see me. I do a lot of talking in my hands. You know, I had a student who had previously experienced homelessness. We had a snow day, or we had snow in the forecast for the next day. She asked me if we were having a snow day. I said, I don't know. You know, it'll depend on how much snow we get, and we'll, know, we'll let you know as soon as we know. And completely dysregulated, had a huge reaction to that. And the more we were unpacking it, I'm like, here's so much uncertainty for this kid mm -hmm who not only, you know, before she was in our program, having a snow day would have been such a, like a, an overwhelming experience. But even now, just to not know, like, just to know that the next day is not, you don't know how it's going to look. Right. And that can be so, you know, create so much anxiety for kids and so much worry when they need that stability to feel like they're safe and to feel like you're prepared to keep them safe. Well, and along those lines too, and I think the three of us, not to toot our own horns, like have always done a good job of like building that relationship mm -hmm. too. So it's along the lines of consist consistency. You're consistent with the student. You set those limits, you set those boundaries and you don't change on them. But in, in your spare time or when you see them doing something good, you spend time with them. You give that mm -hmm. specific compliment. We talked during our last episode about those little thank you notes or post-it mm -hmm. notes on, on desks for kids. And I also think what teachers forget is that and, and not everyone has so much work to do, so not to downplay the other stuff, but when you see a kid who, and you have some downtime, and you say like, hey, let's play checkers, or you wanna play tic-tac-toe, or can you help me with this? All of those things go a long way with a mm -hmm. kid with trauma, because you're showing them that, yes, I'm gonna keep you safe, and I also care about you. Well, it's building back that self-esteem that they just don't tend to have, mm -hmm. um, that's been kind of chiseled away at over the years or over the experiences, and I think too, something, you know, in certain settings, this is more accessible, but I think having access to OT speech, clinical support, where if you are in tune, and I do think this is where we talked about this a while ago, Danielle, the training aspect of things and talking to all sorts of programs about, in all sorts of academic settings about trauma and, mm -hmm. and having, having people understand that it's impacting more kids than you realize. And are we able to support kids with some of the strategies, Sarah, that you're talking about in the classroom and how you set that up? But are we also able to then say, well, this kind of goes beyond mm -hmm. just that approach and that intervention model. Let's get some other eyes into this situation and consult people who might have more coping strategies to teach kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I think arming teachers with as many coping strategies as we can um, to help and we, I mean, like as a team of individuals um, in a school setting, arming teachers with as many resources as possible to really recognize what the signs are. Because again, I think there's always something. I think there's always a sign, whether it's a kid that, like you're saying, Sarah, something might happen as a kid is academically on track and then mm -hmm. some inter interceding event happens and now they're falling off the cliff academically or you see some change and really being so knowledgeable of your students that you know something is not right. Mm -hmm. And, and asking the questions and pursuing that. 
we talk, you know, all the time about no event is can be categorized as seemingly unprovoked. There's yeah. always <laughs> something, you know, you gotta, you, sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper, but there's always something behind the behaviors you're seeing or falling off academically or whatever it might be. You're um, saying you have to put your monocle on and do some detective work? A little bit of detective oh, work. A little monocle mm-hmm. emoji. Detective emoji. Detective emoji. Yeah. It's a monocle, right? They, detectives use a monocle? Not to change the subject, but just... Or uh, no, I know. I don't think detectives glass. use a monocle. <laughs> they use a magnifying glass. But, oh, magnifying yeah. glass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and and, you're, and you're, helping, you're helping to <laughs> teach <that>. people <laughs> what to do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not a detective. <laughs> In a future. You'd, be, you'd be woefully underprepared. <laughs> In a future life, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> That's okay. Why are you apologizing to me? It's not my podcast. <laughs> but you have to put your detective hat on. Yes. And try to dig deep and find what is so, quote, unprovoked. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's putting, again, more responsibility onto teachers who might very well be overburdened with a larger a larger class size and more responsibilities, covering more positions. But the, the best advice I probably feel like I could give a teacher is knowing your students, just mm-hmm. knowing them inside and out as much as you can and knowing whoever's part of that team, you know, maybe that student does get a special service, they get speech and language, working so closely with that other person and identifying changes. It's something that I know is not inherently part of everybody's like bag of tricks, but I think it has to start to be because we're all, there's so much mental health support that's needed for schools mm-hmm. at this point in time. Well, what do you both do when when you're or when kids arrive to school? How do you do you greet them? How does that look? Um, I don't have a high five hug fist bump line at my out the door oh, like all, the, all the popular teachers on yeah, Facebook yeah, do. Yeah. But but I do make a point to, you know, connect with each of my students in the morning, say hi as they're coming in and then find time in our, you know, morning routine time to check in with each of them individually and know, you know, how are you feeling this morning? Is there something that's on your mind? What do you need to be successful today? Um, and then talking to them about whatever they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, I I couldn't care less about anime, surprise, but <laughs> I have a couple kids in my class who love anime, and so I'm trying to get better about, you know, asking them about that and talking to them about that just so that they can feel, you know, recognized and like mm-hmm. someone gets them and knows what they're interested in. And sometimes that can that can go a long way. Yeah, and I would say for me, it's just the, it's the upbeat attitude. I, there's... There's no, it costs you nothing to give kids that feedback that you think they're awesome. And I try to do that no matter what, how small of an accomplishment or something that they've done that I'm just, you know, wow, you're the best at doing X than anybody I've ever seen. And it's just giving them that sense that this is an adult who thinks I'm pretty cool and somebody thinks I do a great job at something. And I like being around this energy and, you know, you have to, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you aren't feeling your best, but they they, especially kids with trauma, they are so perceptive and aware of how you are acting. If anything's different with you, um, if there's any sort of shift in how you're behaving, that makes them even more anxious. And I feel like they're always testing you. Kids mm, with absolutely. trauma are always testing you and they're always giving you these specific things that you do wrong. And it can come off when you have a group of 26, 25, like annoying or disruptive or you know just they're trying to like get under your skin well you know what we said earlier in a podcast all behavior has meaning right oh yeah that's a popular quote and i can't think of the ross green thank you You're ross right. green <laughs> yeah. um and it's it's absolutely 100 percent true 
Well, they're pushing you to be consistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So yes. how many times... Are, I'm sure we have hundreds of stories. Anyone want to jump in with one? You're welcome to. Uh, about how, like, you they you, you get something little wrong. And I think it's, it's so important to express ownership over that mm-hmm. wrongness so that you can show kids that you are human and everyone's human and people make mistakes and that's okay. We're all going to move on. It's also about teaching healthy relationships and Mm -hmm. teaching that, you know, there is a give and take and people can, adults can own it and say, look, I'm not perfect and I'm sorry if that hurt you or your feelings or I'm sorry if that was misunderstood. And I think it shows kids how to interact in a healthy way with other people. Can I just say really quick? Sorry, Sarah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go, go. What do you want to say? This was like 10 years ago. It was like one of my favorite kids. He... (laughs) I accidentally said the SH word out loud, um, and I said it in front of him. I was like, oh my God, super kid with a lot of trauma, a lot of traumatic history, didn't have a family at the time, and I was like, I am so sorry. I can't believe that just happened. And for the rest of the year, it was our running joke. Do you remember when you said that word? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it would always be in secret when I was like coloring with him or making something with him. And so I felt like that little moment of me apologizing. Right. It's connection, and, right? It's like, like you, you're you not perfect either. And yeah. and, and, and yeah. that's why you're safe for me mm-hmm. to connect with. Absolutely. You know, I don't, I, you don't, you can't expect perfection out of me because I don't expect it out of you. And, you know, it levels the playing field a little mm-hmm. bit. For sure. Yeah. And, and you do get a lot of that push and pull. And I think that's something, you know, to also be aware of is that, you know, it, it may not happen with every student that has trauma. Like we said, it's, it's, it's sort of a spectrum just like autism, which we can connect to in a minute. But I think it's that push and pull of, you know, one minute they want to be close to you and they want to get that, uh, that attention positively. And other times they're getting that attention negatively because any attention is good attention for some kids. And it's being able to remain consistent and not necessarily take any of it personally that it's somehow damaged you as a person personally because then they see that and it may just validate exactly what their situation is like yep you're another person that i it can't handle me don't like me i knew it that's what i believed anyway that's my self-fulfilling prophecy so mm-hmm. screw it mm-hmm. you know well i think we see a lot of kids kind of to your point that specifically will be pushing back and testing mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for them with someone that they feel particularly safe with and someone that they trust and have connected with because it's you know it's the trauma it's the attachment it's i know that you're sticking around for me and so if i've got to get this out of my system it's going to be on you because i know you're not going anywhere and it's like you said it's hard it's hard not to take that personally um i can say that from my own personal experience today (laughs) but um but knowing that it's it's deeper than that and it's not personal and you know looking for those positive opportunities when you can to connect to really reinforce or you have those support. kids who, who like who push you away because i know at some point i'm going to get you uh-huh. i know at some point I'm, you're going to go mm-hmm. well what's also amazing is when kids get older you know obviously if the trauma is happening as they're older and teenagers it's you know it's a different thing too but some of the, these kids that have had that early trauma and then they've had some really consistent interventions in between and they've been in a safe environment and they've gotten the, you know some of the therapy they need you see them really be able to have more insight and reflect on you know what i really i really kind of did a number on you like i was really rough or i was tough i know it it was hard for people to get close to me it was hard for people to feel safe around me and all along i didn't mean it you know mm-hmm. i i i knew you guys had my best interest at heart and i knew you were there for me and I've grown from that. You know, we've seen that a lot of times with kids that have gotten into some more maturity and teenage years say, like, I get it now. I look back and I realize what I did. And that's, I think that's so powerful for them as well to be able to come through that and, Mm -hmm. 
and own it and kind of understand how they might act and react to different people in different situations and then use that to have more you know healthier relationships going forward day I get that I'm quitting okay well you were saying little kids and I think um some of the kids that we've worked with over the years are um are adopted at birth or very young from mm-hmm. orphanage mm-hmm. orphanages in other countries where we to this day there are some orphanages and it's like specific countries and you're like oh from there because you don't know the trauma and abuse that they had mm-hmm. at, from birth to two months and that um I think for families, I think we watched you actually, Raleigh, pointing mm-hmm. to Raleigh, uh, <laughs> shared with me the the documentary from like 2020 or something mm-hmm. where that family adopted two kids from Russia, yep. I think, and um, basically in, in the first video from like 97 was like the girl was trying to kill her brother and all these things and they were adopted from this orphanage where for the first six months of her life they had no idea what happened it turned out a happy ending but well it also turned out that a lot of it was fabricated and she actually (laughs) didn't try to do any of those things and they tried and they brought her back and dropped her off and said oh well that's what's best because she did all these horrible things and then come to find out she didn't and that talk about a resilient human being Mm -hmm. to have endured the trauma and neglect to then be in the situation where the people that sort of saved you is what you think at the time right like oh they picked me they saved me i'm going to a better home and then they do this whole run around on you and make you think that you've done these horrible things and then they ship you back so i mean and i think that's such a fascinating piece of trauma is you know and we were talking about how to incorporate that also with autism because we were saying how some of the approaches to structuring a classroom and the interventions are similar but how that behavioral approach is so different between kids on the spectrum and kids who have experienced trauma? I, yeah, I think last year, so from last year to this year, I've moved from working with students on the spectrum to now students specifically who've experienced trauma. And just for, for the audience, because I think when we say the spectrum, I think uh. sometimes it gets lost. So these are like kids with like Asperger, high functioning, cognitively intact, um, sometimes Verbal. superior. Mm-hmm. Um, IQs, mm-hmm. very verbal, so not Usually your, way smarter than I am. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I think when people who mm-hmm. don't always, don't have a lot of experience with kids on the spectrum, they often make an assumption. So I mm-hmm. want to, like, yeah. make clear that they're pretty bright kids that you had last year, but they were super quirky. Very bright and very quirky. <laughs> um, but I think the, you know, when I think about s- socialization and relationships between my students last year and this year, you know, last year I was doing so much teaching social skills to students who it wasn't natural for mm-hmm. them to know how to strike up a conversation or to how to initiate and maintain friendships. So teaching those skills concretely to help them develop relationships moving forward, that was so much of the relationship and social skills work I was doing last year compared to now. Working with students with trauma, my relationship building with them is so much about helping them feel like, nope, I am important enough that somebody cares about me and is invested in me and wants to see me succeed. Um, it's not that they don't have the skills to, they need to learn the skills to develop friendships, but they just need to feel like somebody trusts me and is, imp- is proud of me and I can trust them mm-hmm. to keep me safe. And this is usually a long-term process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, then you couple that with kids who have had significant trauma, neglect, abuse from young ages and I mean I think a lot of these kids aren't necessarily within a public school setting but I think they're cap- completely mm-hmm. capable we talk about a student who 
you know, we talked about lots of students who were like, oh, if we get them right now into a family, mm-hmm, like they'd be mm-hmm. so successful, they're bright kids. But kids with significant trauma histories also don't always learn skills, right? Mm-hmm. So then, so now you're coupling, trying to build that relationship with the lack of social skills. And even though they can build those social skills much faster than a kid on the spectrum, you're still having to pair that with something that's 10 times harder, mm-hmm. I feel like, in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. and, and I think the traumatic, the term trauma, I think is also something that's kind of, is obviously different for different people. And kids that have failed academically mm-hmm. over and over again, or just, you know, there's something there that we're not picking up on, and they may not have any neglect, abuse, anything in their history, but there's something creating this disconnect in school and maybe they're getting picked on. Maybe they just don't feel good about them, their situation. That can also feel traumatic to them. And how do we recognize that? That maybe manifests more as depression, anxiety, withdrawal, avoidance. Nailed it. Yeah, I was literally just going to say the same thing. How many kids this year have had traumatic experiences through COVID and or, or misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. If you, I'm sorry, everyone on the podcast, if you heard that, it was a dog barking in the hallway outside <laughs> of the nook. Um, but I have had those experiences either prior to COVID or like COVID has like triggered that even more mm-hmm. so or had one experience on the first or second day of school. I have kids that are, we are, we're maskless now that are afraid to come to school because of masks. Mm-hmm. And then I have kids that their tra- their traumatic history is uh, manifesting itself by school refusal. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times those get misunderstood at, well, not misunderstood. I think alongside the depression. Well, mislabeled. Mislabeled. Mm-hmm. Or there's the assumption that this kid is lazy. They don't want to try hard enough. They're not, you know, working to their their capacity, their potential. And it's just, it's an, it's just a mismatch. It's not working. Well, what's again, drilling down deeper to figure that out. And I, I think kind of on along those lines, it's important that every student has somebody who knows them and who can recognize when things are off or you know when there might be something deeper going on you know i i am fortunate to work in a setting where i have six students in my class so i get to i know the ins and outs of all of their brains and what you know what things mean and how they're feeling and what their history is like but if I'm teaching in a public school and I have 25 kids in my class, it's a lot harder, like I, like we were saying, to have that kind of relationship and knowing everything about all of those students. But that doesn't mean that those students don't need somebody mm-hmm. who knows them. And so I I wish I could remember where it was from. I think I saw it on TikTok, which is going to make Raleigh make fun of me because <laughs> she thinks I'm a baby. But um, I love TikTok, first of all. Yeah, thank you. Um, morning walking my dog. But... I wish I could remember what the school was, but the principal led a professional development where they talked about every single student in the school and asked staff members to, you know, basically stand up if like, yep, that's a student that I I know I can keep eyes on so that they were able to identify those students who were slipping through the cracks, who had no one that really knew them and then could, you know, then be proactive about that and finding Mm -hmm. people to really look out for them and get to know them on a deeper level so that we have fewer students slipping through the cracks. Well, that communication piece is so critical that people are having that dialogue all the time about kids that they're concerned about. It's a whole school, it's a whole Mm -hmm. team approach as opposed to just like, nope, that kid's in her class. That's your problem. He's her problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Right, and that and also may so influence morale as well. Would you say? Yeah. Oh, I Possibly. might say. I what a connection! Call, call back to the wow, last wow, podcast. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's pretty impressive. I also think uh, so. Going off what you said, there is another website that we posted earlier this week um, called whyyoumatter.org, hashtag whyyoumatter, and it gives really nice ideas and it explains a story about Chelsea High School 
Um, I don't know what state, but Chelsea High School, shout out to you, um, and how they encourage kids to really take a look at themselves and help them and adults um, recognize why they matter within the community setting, and I think that's huge. That's huge for kids with mm-hmm. trauma so that they can feel like they belong, mm-hmm. like they're included, so mm-hmm. they're not feeling like they're so separate. And I also think another thing is really individualizing within that um within a setting so one of the things that we've done with a couple of our kids with different different histories but some kids with school refusal trauma is like having those moments where the teacher has to connect with them voluntarily obviously that sounds like (laughs) they have to do it but they would have like a kid with a sticker chart or a kid with something where they could check in with a teacher after every single one of their classes and that teacher could provide a specific example of what they did well Mm -hmm. and so really just inadvertently building that connection so. I think something I've realized over my long career at this point, feels long, is there's always some way to connect to every single student, no mm-hmm. matter who, you know, no matter how you think that kid is relating to people, no matter how they come across, no matter what they're expressing, there's always a way to connect. Not everyone connects with every kid, but there is always a way. And even kids with school refusal, there's always something, and it may not work. It may, that first attempt, that first try, mm-hmm. but there is always something you can do to reach a kid. That's something at least I I feel mm-hmm. pretty confident that I've, I've experienced a lot. And I think it just takes sometimes, it also takes saying, it may not be me, mm-hmm. but it might be Sarah. You know, that may be the person, and, and it's okay to also be humble in that and to say it may not work for every single person, but let's get this kid to a better place. I also think it's important to like look for and be really cognizant about blowing up those small victories, mm-hmm. you know? I especially when I think about kids with school refusal who you know, some of their trauma has come from just multiple school failures mm-hmm. and not yep. being successful in school and feeling like, nope, I'm not a student. That's not mm-hmm. that's not what I'm cut so out I'm for. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a student last year who was so resistant to school to coming in the classroom was doing anything he could to get out of it and so we set up a plan where his job was to be in classroom for 10 minutes and then he could spend the other 30 minutes of the block out of the room doing whatever he wanted which sounds crazy like oh my god he's missing all this academic time Uh but it was such a victory for him to spend 10 minutes in the classroom was he accessing the curriculum in the first place exactly he's you know it's it's meeting them where they're at and celebrating the small moments and small victories and then building that up slowly over time you know eventually it, was, it wasn't 10 minutes for the whole year it was right. then it was 15 then it was 20 you know well and it would naturally increase right right so it's like and he, and he saw oh there are fun things happening in the classroom and i actually want to spend more time in here but when he wasn't stepping foot in the door he didn't know. Fun happens in the classroom. Fun only happens in the classroom. Tattooed on my quote forehead. Unquote. Fun, <laughs> Fun happens only in happens in the classroom. Well, um, just to quote before we uh, start our activity. Um, so if anyone have, if you, have you got, you, I've shown it, so I know you both have seen it. Rita Pearson, Every Kid Needs a Champion. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she points out, to your point, Raleigh, she points out that you're not going to like every kid, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you find something to like about all of them. It's one of the best TED Talks ever. If you ever need a morale boost, listening to it on your way to work. Do you want to or say that one more time? Rita Pearson, Every Kid Needs a Champion. Mm-hmm. Excellent. She's wonderful. Um, it's a great TED Talk. Um, so listen to right. it. Well, I just want to say thank you to Sarah for Thanks, joining Sarah. us. Thanks for having me. You were me. great, despite your nerves. Yeah. I passed. You passed. Yeah. Okay. Well, like well, a, like a barely. Barely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um And of course, as we do like to end our talk today with uh, a little 
random topic generator. Where's the worst place you've been stuck for a long time? I, I can do this one for me. Uh, on an airplane, and the airplane was on a runway, mm-hmm. and we weren't able to deplane, and they brought us pizza, which they thought was going to fix the impending panic setting in that I'm stuck in this tube and I can't get out. Shout out to the pizza, but it was not fun to be stuck there for hours on end. Do you remember what kind of pizza it was? I believe it was Domino's. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer would be Danielle's trainings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, no, no, that's a good question. I've never been stuck in an elevator. Okay. I mean, I get That'd stuck be terrible. In, getting stuck in traffic when you have to go to the bathroom. Yes, yes. I that's a tough one. I getting stuck in traffic. Period. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when you can't figure out math. why yeah. why mm-hmm. this is happening. When there's no reason. Or you're stuck on like the Mass Pike or something where the next exit is always mm-hmm. eight, mm-hmm. 10, 50. The furthest miles away it could possibly be. Uh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. having me. Yeah. And then there was nothing. It was nothing. Yeah. yeah. But sorry to go back to you. Traffic no, and pee. No, that's a good one. Yeah, you, you want like, me to talk more about how yeah, you no, yeah, yeah, traffic? Yeah. I think we yeah. I can give you more detail. Use your imagination on that one. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining. Sarah, thanks again for joining. Thank you for having me. Thanks this is to a lot everyone of fun. across the globe for listening. It's very exciting. And we'll be, we'll be posting some things this week or after this releases, right, To for uh, articles and social, yeah. I don't know, not social media, but what am I trying to say? Social links, media. links to things. <laughs> Click and, your age, your yes, I'm showing my age. old lady doesn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. links. I'll get my monocle and I'll see if I can figure it out. I'm going to tell you, we've been promising TikTok videos for yeah. a while, so we gotta pull the trigger yeah. on that. Maybe and some of our youthful friends. After, I was gonna say I can I can take a TikTok with you guys before <laughs> after I leave. The, after the first after the first time, I think it'll be we'll be like old hat. Yeah, I always say that in a prior life I would have been a TikTok star if I was a little younger. Mm, okay, if Sarah's not feeling that. Yeah. I'm not convinced. But <laughs> believe it when I see I it. I think my dog would be a TikTok star. Oh but gosh. That's besides the point. I could do a whole nother podcast of my dog. <laughs> um, all right, so listen to our podcast on. Oh my gosh! Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn—don't just look at it. Um, join us, be our, like us, um, and add things that you might be interested in hearing. Yeah, and we're open to suggestions. We're opening. We're always open to suggestions. Unstuck podcast one on all of those outlets. See you later. Bye everyone. Bye.